This is Moon Knighting, brought to you by Gathering of the Geeks. We are Vengeance. We are Justice. We are Mark Spector. We are Stephen Grant. We are Jake Lockley. We hope that our meds kick in so that we are only one person at a time. I'm Emmett, and I'm joined by the Ted Lasso to my coach Beard, Chris Evans. Chris, how are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Doing well. Uh, we are also joined by Aaron Cajanto. Aaron, how are you doing, man? Yeah, good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Um, so if you're Beard and Lasso, what does that make me? You're a kind of a Roy Kent style. Kind I'll of take guy. Roy. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. That's a good Roy. one. I like that. <laughs> yeah. This is a PG podcast, right, though? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Moon Knight. So, you know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so this is episode one of our Moon Knighting series. Uh, we will be breaking down Moon Knight, the Disney Plus series, episode by episode. And we will have episodes for you every Tuesday full spoiler reviews of the Disney Plus series. Um, I will come right out and say it that I myself am not the biggest Moon Knight aficionado. I would like to say now that I'm a fan, uh, having liked the first episode and continuing to get into more of the uh, comic book thing. But uh, my role in this entire podcast is to ask questions and be taught many of things by the two gentlemen who are the fans and the experts. Uh, So Aaron, that's why we brought you along and Chris... You're along anyways, and you happen to love Moon Knight and are an expert in Moon Knight. So you guys get to talk as much as you want uh, about the the character that you love. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we have, uh, aside from comic books, uh, a pretty bitchin'-ass TV show to watch as well. So don't feel uh, afraid to uh, gush over how much you love this character and this TV show as much as you want. That sounds good to me. All right, right. Yeah, I'm, so I'm all in. <laughs> all right, it's good. So there's a lot of different ways we can take this because there's a lot of stuff that happens in that first episode, um, a lot of stuff that doesn't happen, a lot of questions that are asked and not answered. Um, so I'm not really sure where you guys want to take this, but maybe let's start with some overall thoughts. Um, and Chris, I'll start with you, man. You know, you've been waiting for this one for a bit. You know, we've been teasing it a bunch on our Sunday shows for Gathering of the Geeks. Um, you tweeted on your, you know, your own personal account about how excited you are about it. We were talking off air about, you know, recently released toys and merch, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, maybe just some overall thoughts about, you know, the lead up to this show and then having seen the show multiple times, you know, man, how are you feeling now after seeing that first episode? Let's go to Aaron first on that one. Okay. That's fine. Aaron, man, you know, um, from what I've seen from you. Um, you're very much an expert in, in, in this character, um, maybe more than just a fan. So, you know, tell me a little bit about your love for the character and, you know, kind of blend it into how you feel after, um, watching that first episode, uh, the first and, you know, multiple times after that. Yeah, well, um, it was, God, I started on Moon Knight just after the, I think I got into him just at the end of the Bendis run. Um, a friend pointed me towards him. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I went on and started reading it. I went back to the Hudson run and I went through then and I've just been following him, him ever since. Um, read some of the other older stuff as well. Um, so the character itself just intrigued me with the ID side of it and um, it was so different to what I've been into. Um, like I've read a lot of Batman, a lot of Daredevil, but Moon Knight just brought, I don't know, some just, just a completely different element to the to a character, an actual character to the fray, which really got me into him. So then um, 
as I'm reading him, I'm loving him. He's very niche. Not a lot of people knew about him. Um, not a lot of, yeah, not a lot of the comic circles. He's like, he's, he has this a little select group prior to the TV show that knew about him. So obviously when Chris was talking about him on Twitter, I got really excited. I'm like, oh my God, there's another one. So we actually got talking and it was great. Um, but then, yeah, when um, I think it was Feige dropped that they're making a TV show, but just, I don't know, floored me to a certain extent. It's like, wow, because it, it seemed very soon into the Disney Plus kind of launch of all the shows. And when he said Moon, I'm like, wow, he's really, they're really bringing him into it now. Um, it got me excited, but it got me with a lot of questions as well. Um, because the character itself being so dense is like, where are they going to go with this? Where are they going to take this? It got me very curious again. And um, then they dropped uh, Oscar Isaac and I, I knew I was in safe hands straight away. Like whatever they're going to do, however they're going to do it, they've got Oscar Isaac and you can't get any better than that in my mind. And I was like, perfect. Loved it. Um, and then the trailers dropped and got me really excited um it was one of those things because um because the way disney drops things going marvel then star wars and marvel then star wars um in terms of the tv shows like obviously moon knight they weren't dropping too much um at a certain point in time it really oh, ramped up about two weeks before it and it really got me into the mood and yeah First uh, episode dropped, and um, I put it this way: I've seen it five times at the moment. So, and I'm probably going to see it a, a little bit more. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. Um, Moon itself, uh, depending on what run you read, you know, he can be ultra violent, or he can be a detective, or it's just a, a thousand different ways you could do it. So yeah, when the when the TV, so like like I said, I saw it five times. Absolutely loved it. There's so many different variations that you can do for the character. So my initial going into it, I didn't have a really set mindset of how I want him to be displayed or how I wanted um, any of the characters to be taken or anything like that. It was literally just to sit back and enjoy the ride and just see what they're going to do with it. And I was, I'm very, very happy with what they gave us. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned uh, a bunch of things in there, but one of the things that I noticed about episode one, and Chris, you can talk about this, there's every bit of action in this first episode. There's lots of comedy. There's horror. Yeah. Um, it really blends a lot of different things um, into this one episode. How did you feel about that on the whole? I uh, Well, to me, that's kind of what Moon Knight is. He's a mixture of stuff. I don't like when you put him in just one corner because he, he is more than just one thing. He's not just this strange character that just beats the crap out of people he is funny he is kind of like an adventure story at times he can be very dark but there's a, there's the funny stuff um so i like and i think the newest jed mckay run really blends all of that together so well where you see every facet of the character and if anything that's kind of the tone i get from the show right now is maybe they're kind of similar to that where it's a blended tone. It's a little bit of everything you like about Moon Knight, if you're familiar with the character, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's a, a thing for sure is being, you know, well-versed in where, why this character is doing the things that he's doing. Mm -hmm. um, and before we get to the to Moon Knight himself and to Mark and Steven, I like to, uh, you mentioned tone 
um, in there. And, you know, setting the tone right away for this uh, for this episode, for the show entirely, is kind of like a cold open with Ethan Hawke's character, Arthur. Yeah. Um, you know, what did you think about that whole thing about, you know, breaking up glass and putting it in his sandals, like some kind of, you know, penance for whatever he's done in his life or the sins of other people in his, it, it, or all across the world. You know, what, what do you think about that whole thing with Arthur to, to start the show? That just, so I was expecting <laughs> that. I was yeah. not expecting to see that. I like it though. It makes me very uncomfortable when I watch it. Like, okay, you see the, the arm, like, well, okay, that's, I guess that's Ethan Hawke. He drinks the water. Cool. Oh, wait a minute. What is he doing? No, no, stop. And it just keeps going. And like, oh, I guess you do need that cane, huh, bro? <laughs> that was my my thought about it. Aaron, what, what do you think? Yeah, I thought it was um, <laughs> yeah, it was very similar of uh, when he took the drink and he put the glass down. What like, what's he doing? And then when he smashes it, and he, you know, and he gets it into the shoe, and he's he's moving it around to make sure it's all perfect. So they, yeah, you know, even. basically his whole foot is even in there. And I was just, yeah, it's a very like a, it's just, for me, it set up that whole sort of. Um, religious side of it straight away is the cultish side of it okay this guy's this guy's very much uh <laughs> he's something <laughs> he's definitely yeah. something <laughs> and all three times i've watched it i'm like what is he where is he mm. we don't know what that is it looks kind of ruins of some sort so that might be some... something that we're going to get more of later on maybe an answer yeah some that. sort of temple some temple kind of looking thing yeah i, I don't know what it is but it's he's uncomfortable even just the way he looks, he's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, uncomfortable is a good way to put it. You know, you, you see him um, three times in this episode, once at the cold open, once in mm-hmm. the middle, and then towards the end. And he's, you know, he's very calm in every yeah. scene that he's in. Um, he says a lot of important things. He does a lot of important things, but, you know, he's not raising his voice like a villain, you know, and he's not he's not big, like, and grotesque, or, you know, he's just a guy with long hair walking around and with a cane and glass in his slippers. Kind of um, cosplaying as Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He, does. <laughs> he looks like Footloose Kevin Bacon sometimes, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> Evil Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Um, you know, and we'll stick to Arthur a little bit more. You know, he's got that scale on his thing. He talks about the god... Um, uh, Amit all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know anything about this scale thing, um, but they really push in a lot of the stuff about the, this god that he's um, serving or whatever. Um, you know, I don't, take it however you guys want to take it with more of this of this Arthur character and his his plan, his you know ideology. Um, I mean, take it wherever you want to go and expand on this Arthur character, guys. Uh, for me. Um... What I was looking at it with when he mentions, uh, well, the, the thing that surprised me straight away is him mentioning Amit straight away, mm-hmm. like within the actual thing. Like it was one of his first, pretty much his line was mentioning Amit. I'm like, wow, okay, at least we know who his avatar, you know, who he's going to be the avatar for. Um, so basically, it's a, so it's one of those things. I don't know about you, Chris. Is like you see his character, but. I'm forever with in the first episode questioning if it is actually him kind of mm-hmm. doing the deed. Like it could be Emmett, like controlling him as the avatar. Like in some of the Moon Knight books, you see that like the that god kind of like what Konshu does to Mark um, does can control the actual person within themselves. So it's kind of like then when he was um, cast and, 
the um, the character was named. You know, I did a whole Google search because um, <laughs> so he's in he's in one he's in one comic altogether, which I haven't yeah. read, and I don't think you can even find it digitally online. No, it's extremely yeah. rare to find. It's it. extremely rare. So I think the 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 people who are the showrunners has gone. Let's let's grab someone rare so we can do whatever we want with him, kind of thing. So yeah. and he kind of blends in well. So that's where I was kind of like, okay. Who, who am I? His character, I'm yet to try and figure out who he is, but who you, <laughs> it depends on how far these gods are going into the actual people themselves to find out who they are. Yeah, for, for me, I know Moon Knight doesn't have the biggest group of villains that are well-known or even known as that. I mean, like you said earlier, he is a niche character. He's not incredibly well-known. His villains kind of... You know, you got Bushman, who is like the ultimate, like the Joker type villain for him. You have Midnight Man, who, you know, not a lot of people know. Uh, Stained Glass Scarlet, who just made kind of a comeback in the comics. Um, but beyond that, the Sun God, which I'm it. <laughs> so I, when I when they cast Ethan Hawke, I was immediately like, oh, they're doing something different here. They're going for something here. We got Ethan Hawke on this. Okay. And then when it's Arthur Harrow, I was like, wait a minute. Who is Arthur Harrow? And I did the same thing. I was like. I Google and I'm like, okay. And the Arthur Harrow of the comics is nothing like this guy. So I think he's going to be a mismatch of different characters, which is fine with me because, you know, I said this going into the show. I mean, I said on our show, Emmett, that they don't need to impress me with this. They need to get Moon Knight to the wider audience. So I'm cool with them making changes. <laughs> I don't mind it. Let everybody enjoy Moon Knight the way I do. That's fine. And I think he's. I, I think Arthur is going to be one of those cases where, hey, we created somebody, but if you guys want to look him up, he was in one book. <laughs> good luck and trying to find it. Right, you can't <laughs> find the book. It's not even on Marvel Unlimited. But good luck. <laughs> yeah, he's more of a. From what I read up, he was more like of an uh, island of Doctor Moreau kind yeah. of Just character. Where he was on his own little island, creating different sort of. I don't know half human, half animals mm -hmm. kind of thing from what I read. So, and I thought that's yeah. where kind of where they were going to go with with the whole cult kind of aspect of it. Yeah, not. I think I like the cult leader more just because it fits. I, I think with the idea of Moon Knight, you know, especially you know yeah. leaning heavily into the Egyptian gods and whatnot. I, I think it's cool. Yeah, hundred percent. And just on that, when you're talking about um, his rogues gallery, what you tend to find with Muna is that generally his biggest rogue is himself yes. most of the times. So he's more fighting with himself and Konshu than he is with, with like any sort of like Joker or Riddler or anything like that. So they just yeah. add a few of them now and then to pop up. But, you know, majority of the time he is literally fighting with himself. Like the Lemire run, I think highlights that the best. Oh yeah. It's bonkers. <laughs> that run is just crazy. It is <laughs> great though. It's fantastic. So much like that kind of cold open with uh, Ethan Hawke's character set the tone for, I think, his character throughout the whole first uh, episode. You know, the first time we see Oscar Isaac's character, I think, sets the tone for his whole character. He wakes up and he's confused. And then for the next 48 minutes, he's waking up and he's confused. Um, you know, and he's looking around just like we are looking around as fans or maybe uh, not fans wondering what's going on. You know, why is he tied to a pole in his or the post in his room? Why is there sand around his bed? Why is there tape on the door? Um, you know, how long has this been going on for? Um, 
one of the things I, I thought was really nice, and after the second time watching it, it was it's, it was kind of interesting seeing the normalcy of Stephen's precautions to mm-hmm. him. You know, this is just the normal uh, an occurrence for him. You know, yeah. when he's talking, to, sure he's too. talking to the the uh, the you know the busker on the on the street, the the statue guy, um, saying that oh my oh, body right. just wants yeah my my body just wants to go for a walk. Um, you know, it just wants to get his ten thousand steps in. Like <laughs> this is a normal occurrence. <laughs> um, you know, I I really found that interesting. So you know, guys, what do you think about the first time we see Oscar Isaac's character, the first time we see Stephen, and then maybe a little bit further on to him going to the to the museum and played out through the episode. You know, how did you, how did you guys like Oscar Isaacs as basically all we see him in this episode is as Stephen Grant. what do you guys think of him? Um, so first off, I want to say the fact that they use that Engelbert Humperdinck song was amazing to me. <laughs> like out of all the obscure tunes to use, that one was just fantastic. I love it. Um, I really liked the the opening with Steven, though. I think it, it, like you said, it does set the tone for the character. It shows you what you need to understand. And it, it just kind of makes him um, likable in a way that I'm not sure Stephen Grant is likable in the comics. <laughs> not that he's a, a bad character, but he's not really, like, endearing or anything. He, he's, I, I don't know how to describe it. Maybe Aaron can, but he, he's just not this. And I think I like this. He's a typical Hollywood actor. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. So he's more of a um, the upper echelon kind of personality sort of thing, businessman, elitism kind of side of him, old Stephen. That's how I get it from it anyway, like in the comics. Yeah, that is, yeah that's a better way to explain it. <laughs> he, he's not friendly like like this. You could you could walk up to Steve and talk to him. That other one you're not going to want to mess with. I'm like, okay, I like your movie, but that's about it. <laughs> so that's the big difference. Stephen Grant is an actor in the comic books. He's an actor, producer. He, he's a bunch of stuff, but yeah. So that's another big. You know, if they're changing Arthur or they're adding in a character like Arthur we haven't seen before, this Stephen Grant working at a museum is completely different from what Com- we know. Complete change. Yes. Right. Yeah. Also, the, the English act. I mean, English is very different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but is he? <laughs> yeah, no, in the, um, in the comics, he's... Um, the comics is an easier read because obviously he's an actor, a producer. He's a big Hollywood kind of LA kind of bigwig mm-hmm. where obviously being a... Um, I can only think as for the showrunner, you can't sort of portray that in real life if he's got a DID personality because if he's going to be a, a Hollywood, you know, you think of it as if Oscar Isaac is Stephen. Um, one minute he could be Stephen, the next minute he could be Jake. So you'd be going, why is Oscar Isaac driving a cab around mm-hmm. kind of thing? So um, I think most characters coming into this TV show and looking into it, most characters will have to be like, what Steven is, he's kind of a recluse, doesn't have a lot of friends. Um, someone that if he was to disappear, which he clearly he does for days on end, there's no one going to be asking for him. There's no one going to be wanting, you know, he's not going to be walking around some town and someone going to go, oh, my God, that's Steven from that mm-hmm. movie. No one's going to notice him kind of thing. So the TV show obviously has to take it into that sort of direction, which makes complete sense. And um the British thing doesn't bother me either because being an Australian, and I've got a couple of British mates, the uh, Britishisms that they use and the way he talks and all that just 
I was losing it left, right, and center. (laughs) 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 The whole, (laughs) when um, he goes to the town and Ethan Hawke says whatever he says in Egyptian, everyone bends down and goes, oh, bollocks. (laughs) And he kneels down. I just lost it every single time. London. London. (laughs) I don't know why I put it that way. (laughs) Yeah, well, he is getting some criticism over the accent, but I feel like the accent is the way it is because Mark is not English. He is American. So I think he's forcing the accent. So this is what an American sounds like if they are forcing the accent. I think that's the idea behind it. And I, I like the accent. I think it's fun. But well, that, that was kind of a question that I had about this 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 body and, and the voice you're mentioning and how um, I think it was you who said, Aaron, that you know if if, if Stephen goes missing, nobody's going to be looking for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it, it, instinctively, all I felt all I felt was I feel bad for Stephen. Yeah. Like right away, like whose body is this? Is this Stephen's body with Mark in his head, or is it Mark's body with Stephen in his head? Whose body is this? So, like he, when he was born, who who is this? Whose body is this? Not not his mind or the brain, but whose body is this? It'd be Mark's. Like from the way I gather it, it will be Mark Spector. Is the it's his body. Um, the Lemire run, once again, we're probably going to reference the Lemire run throughout the show, but the Lemire, the Lemire run actually brings it up like Mark as a kid. Um, it's Mark Spector, and then out of nowhere, Stephen appears and starts being his friend. And then, then Jake appears and starts being his friend, and obviously they're just figments of his imagination. So I believe it's Mark. So I'm kind of concerned, and I don't want to get negative on this, but I'm a little concerned that they are going to make Steven the dominant personality. It's, it's Steven's body. And that is a really big switch to me. I, I'm not freaking out over anything. I mean, we'll see how it goes. And I, I like it like, the way they've shown it. But if, if Mark is not the dominant personality or the body, I'm wondering what else they're going to be changing and if it will affect the character fundamentally as we know him. And if you will, just be not Moon Knight in name only, but just a different thing which again i'm open to i'm just curious i guess yeah i think um with that side of it if you stick your um filmmaker hat on um i think it's having steven be the dominant at least to start off with it's a good entry for people Mm -hmm. like emmett to come into the character he can relate to him to a certain extent you know being going to work doing the same job and you know what steak to order, getting six different fish that are all the same <laughs> to a certain extent, you know, you can relate to him and his awkwardness and like you've met people like him before and all that kind of stuff where, you know, if if you go straight to Mark being the, you know, vicious mercenary killer, it um, might not be as relatable. So it's probably more of an entry point for people that don't know the character to find some warmth with the character to start off with before they send everyone down this really crazy tunnel that they're going to have to have a ride on. That's probably what it is. It's it just something I was thinking about based on kind of the way this was looking so far, but I don't mind. I mean, I, like I said, yeah. I don't mind it. I'm, I'm in for whatever they want to try out. Let's see it. And plus yeah, well, the conscious voiceovers. Yeah. Those conscious voiceovers are golden. Oh, the idiot is in control. I love it. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're not supposed to be here. I, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's what I was thinking, Chris. So it, it, you know, F. Murray Abraham voices Conchu, and it's absolutely <laughs> fantastic. I think that's amazing, and him calling him the idiot and stupid and all that kind of stuff is outstanding. But that, that, and you know, towards the end, Mark is saying, "Let me take control," mm. or "Quit, quit fighting me." So that, like, somehow Stephen is strong enough to hold back Mark Spector and, you know, the being taken over. And that's why it made me think that he is, it's, it's Steven's body because right. it, it, Steven's not even thinking about holding him back. You know, Steven's not even thinking that there is two people. He, he's, he's just living his life and somehow that's strong enough um, to hold back Mark Spector. And it isn't until the end where like he doesn't even know how to how to give in. He doesn't know how to let go to let Mark take over. It's just kind of an instinct thing where he does that. But it feels like Mark taking over Steven's body. Um, again, we don't know why in, in the context of this TV show, we have no idea why this is happening. Uh, we have no idea why there's two people. We have no idea who this conchu is. We have no idea about any of that stuff. All we know from this is what they're saying. What Mark is saying is saying, let me take control. I will save us if you let me take control. Not if you know, not if you give me back control. Not if you stop, you know, he says you stop fighting me, but it feels like somehow Steven is in, in, in control without knowing that he's in control. The way you the way I look at it is that when you see Steven, majority of the time, he's not in danger. He's just, you know, living out his normal life. Um, Mark generally comes in when something's you know, bad's about to happen. Like he's going to get shot at. Well, he does get shot at, but he's still Stephen, but he runs away. Um, but the car chase or, you know, when he gets surrounded by all those people trying to get pendant and, you know, Steve, um, Mark, <laughs> I'm getting stuck and confusing. Mark comes in and takes care of business. And then Steve's because it is like a battle happening. But I think Mark takes over when he knows he's needed to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Like when the body is literally um, in... It's, I guess if you want to go real deep, it's kind of like a flight or fight kind of fear in the human beings, kind of like you, your adrenaline or your anxiety. Like if you get to a point where something's about to happen, your body does something in order to you to either say, hey, that's a risk or, hey, you know, let's do this or whatever to a point. And I guess that's very similar to Mark popping up and going, right, I need to step in or else we, we are going to die. And it got to the point near the end where I think Mark literally had to go straight face to face with Stephen and go, look, you need to let me take over. Cause I guess it got to that battle point where they're really peeking at each other. That's interesting though, because that's usually not the way it is in the comics. Like they don't have that kind of, Hey, let me take over. It just, it happens. But I guess in a comic, we don't need to see that. But again, we're going to reference the Lemire run and the <laughs> Lemire run we do see a lot of the switching back and forth depending on the situation. It's yeah. an interesting thing that they're doing here. Well, let's talk more about those switches. Um, you know, the, we, the first real big one um, really comes in. That's where the action kicks up. Like, the, you get shot with adrenaline as soon as the, the switches start to happen. Mm -hmm. um, Chris, you mentioned the, the musical note at the, the start of the episode. There's another musical note. Um, you know, wham, wake me up before you go-go in a, in, a, in, a, in a pretty wicked chase scene. That happens, and those switches uh, I thought were really um, smart. Uh, I think the way they did the switches is really smart. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm interested to see the other side of those switches. Um, you know, what do you guys think about the 
big first action scene that we see with the with the car chase and the switches that are going on throughout and constant conchu giving steven shit about being an idiot and get the hell out of the way and you know so say, truck 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 and you know all that kind of stuff i don't even know how to drive first? yeah what do you guys think about that first big action scene that we see i absolutely loved it i absolutely loved it to the pure point i thought it was refreshing i thought mm-hmm. it was literally literally refreshing instead of your stock you know your stock standard car chase we literally got something completely different i mean they did two scenes where you know um one minute steven's getting attacked and he's you know he's fighting back with cupcakes and the next minute you know um those cars have like one just falls off the cliff kind of thing and then he cuts out and he comes back well when the guy's trying to kill him and he's apologizing every two seconds going i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry (laughs) And then it cuts back, and the next scene he's, you know, in reverse. Yeah, I just, I just loved it. That's one of my, probably one of my favorite scenes within the first episode, just the way it was edited together, and it was something completely fresh. And yeah, I really did dig it. Yeah, I'm on the same page. I really enjoyed the switching and the way it was handled. You know, Mark only takes over when it's dire consequences in this scenario, like when he's about to get shot or go over the side of the, the cliff or whatever. And then the way it switches, it's just seamless in a way, and it makes sense. And then it's cool because we as a viewer are with Steven, like, what just happened? How are we here now? Uh, my only issue would be it, it's not the prettiest chase scene. <laughs> I think some of the effects were very rough, which uh, I guess I'm, I'm cool with. It doesn't matter. I'm thinking the budget went to some things we're going to see later on. I don't care. Plus, the, the character work is so strong, it really doesn't matter. Character over spectacle, I guess. But um, the musical cue is, is kind of, it sets the tone because it's a fun chase. Despite what's happening, it's fun, which I did not expect. What do you think about it, Emmett? Yeah, I thought it was great. And I agree with you about the, um, the visuals. Um, it's kind of something you, I don't know, at, at a certain point you expect it. Um, mm-hmm. I assume, like you're saying, they're saving... Because there's going to be a lot more visual effects. I, yeah. there, I was actually surprised with how many visual effects that we saw in this episode, from Conchu to uh, the chase scene to the fi- finale with the um, the werewolf. Um, the jackal, to yeah. the Yeah, whatever, sorry. And <laughs> the suit and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I, ex- I expect there to be more. Um, and stuff that we, we've seen from the trailers, I think the a lot of the work is being put into the action scenes with actual Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the costume, the capes, the that kind of stuff. Um, you know, a, a broad daylight action scene are, are not done very often for the exact reason that you're talking about, because you notice the visual effects that much more. Um, if you notice in a lot of a lot of big budget movies, the, the the third act happens at nighttime, so you don't notice the the, the poor visual effects. It's easier. So I actually uh, commend that uh, it happened in daytime. Um, I, I'm okay with the. I don't want to cut all off-putting or second-tier CGI because of how uh, different the car chase scene was, like Aaron was saying. It, it was different than one we've seen before uh, because of the switches, because of the the commentary by Conchu, because of a lot of things. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention before that, though, before the car chase scene happens, before he gets into the town, he wakes up on the ground and his jaw's broken. Yeah. And he fixes it himself. Clicks it back How do you guys explain that one? Yeah, can you guys explain that one to me? New stuff. <laughs> is that so? Yeah, he has. Does he have healing properties, or did he just put it back together and that was it? Yeah, to me, it looked like he was just desiccated and he just like just, okay, you know, put it back into place. Cool. That's the way I looked at it. 
Well, there was that, but then like someone's wrong with his leg too, and he stood up and he fixed mm-hmm. it. He looked at it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think maybe this version has like a healing factor of some sort, mm-hmm. which is a little different. I mean, he he can take a beating though. In comics, he he can, but I don't I don't know. This was the jaw was like completely on the other side. <laughs> he was like yeah. a character when he lifted his head up. So I'm not too sure. That was new to me. I wasn't really expecting him to be able to do that. So then when we get the uh, the car chase scene, we get him waking up back again. He thinks it's all a dream. Uh, mm-hmm. He wakes up in, in bed again. It's a couple days later, and his fish has changed. <laughs> um, you know, and he goes to the... Uh, so what? Another, another one of these questions. What it, Does this fish mean something that it is changed? Why it, Mark is going to is also shopping for fish because he goes to the the place to buy the fish and the lady says, "Oh, you were just here." And Stephen says, "No, I wasn't." And so why does Mark need a fish? What, what is this fish? <laughs> I I get the impression that maybe Mark is hiding in Stephen. Maybe like okay, you have to. I need Stephen to to operate. So that I can come out and do my thing when needed, maybe. And the way to keep Stephen quiet, of course, is to give him fish and let him do what he wants to do. <laughs> well, that, that's uh, before, before Aaron, before you say something, there's another thing in there that that makes sense, Chris, because he's also got a date with a yeah. woman that he didn't know that he made the date. Mm-hmm. Mark didn't make the date. The guy, the the woman, I assume, would notice that Stephen, who she thinks she's going on a date with, is talking like Mark is now. So I, it, Mark is controlling Stephen also, but as Stephen, not as Mark. It, it, is that, that's kind of what you were saying, Chris? I think I just got confused. Like, <laughs> exactly. Mark so, is Stephen, but who, Stephen who, is Mark. Yeah, who, is who made the date? Who made the <laughs> who date and who is getting fish? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why is Gamora? So, uh, so I, I think I, that Mark can probably put the accent on. That's my guess. Okay. Or... What I really, what I'm really hoping is it's Jake, mm-hmm. and Jake also can do the accent. That's kind of what I'm hoping, but that's probably just the fans' hope because I think it's just going to be Stephen and Mark. But yeah, what, if it comes down to it, I think Mark can just do the accent too, and he knows. Okay, keep Stephen pacified, pacify Stephen <laughs> like a child. <laughs> yeah, get him fish, let him eat steak, the best cut. <laughs> <laughs> I, that scene bothered me so much. For, and, and aside from that funky CGI, that you know, the waiter says, uh, "What kind of steak do you want?" Stephen, you know, says, "Fine." And then he says, "How do you want to cook?" Stephen says, "Yeah, yeah." And the 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 waiter says, "Well done." Who's cooking a steak? Well done. Nobody. No, especially not the best bit of the steak. Come on. Yeah, like who? This waiter should be fired. If I was the owner of that restaurant, I'd kick that waiter as far away from my restaurant as possible. Wasn't he saying? Wasn't Stephen saying good a lot? Is that I can't remember? Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, sure. And the waiter's like, "You want it really good? Okay, we'll do it really well done for you." <laughs> yeah, that scene good, though. That that scene. Oh man, was so beautiful. But for me, it was so beautiful because. I found myself for three quarters of that show, like laughing what Stephen was going through. I was mm-hmm. laughing. I wasn't, you know, I didn't, for the emotion that I had was for relating to what he was doing, I was too busy laughing at it because, you know, but then you have this one scene where he thinks he's on a date and the date's not there because he's been away for two days. And 
the director just cuts out and it's just like a wide shot or something. It's just him sitting there. For me, it it got to the point where like, oh, shit, now I can see what this guy actually has to go through. You know, he, he's got a lot of pain as well, like a lot of embarrassment and a lot of pain because he doesn't know what's going on with himself. You know, he, he thinks he gets progression in life. Oh, I've got a date. I've got a girlfriend. The next minute, whatever Konshu does to him, and, and Mark, you know, he misses out on that date and he's just sitting there all by himself. It just really highlights the pain and the battle which Stephen has to go through, which was, um, yeah, it, it was beautifully done because it took me away from the whole, you know, the laughter aspect of it and actually made him a bit more of a deeper character for me as well. You know, the uh, I think it was, I read something from, maybe it was a director that said that was one scene he fought to keep in the cut because for that kind of reason, he feels that is where you get Steven. That is the scene where you really latch on to him as a character. And I think he's right because without that scene, I like, I, I like you said, I, Steven was funny. He's like, Oh, this is, this is great. He's the idiot. This is awesome. But that scene kind of makes him more of a, a human, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, I like that scene too, quite a bit. Mm, I love that. So we've got action, we've got comedy, we've got sad stuff, and then we get jump into some horror when, you know, uh, Steven's back at his place and he's kind of realizing what's happening. He finds some stuff that's out of place at his apartment. Uh, tables move, there's a loose floor a board up in top, there's a cell phone in there with a woman's name in it. The woman calls him, and he ha- she has no idea who she's talking to, he has no idea, on and on. Um, and then we kind of get some, you know, an old school mirror gag um, that you get in some horror movies. And then we've got full-on Conchu kind of creeping up and down hallways with flashing lights. And then it's still got some comedy mixed in with the old woman. Um, you know, what do you guys think about that, where we really get, you know, some full-on pretty badass looking uh, looks at uh, Conchu? Chris, it has to be you, mate. You're the, you love Conchu. I do love Conchu. <laughs> and seeing him fully realize, like, wow. Because I when they announced the show... I didn't know if we were going to see Khonshu. I didn't even know if we were going to do the D, you know the the DID. I thought maybe we were just going to get okay. Mark Spector's a superhero, cool. <laughs> but no, we got Khonshu full on, and he looks glorious. And um, you know, he is. He's really something to look at. Like Emma mentioned, the voice actor or the actor who's doing the voice and. It's a tremendous pairing, in my opinion, <laughs> to hear that voice come out of him. It's just great. I don't think he speaks to him, though, in the hallway. I don't know if we've seen him speak. So I'm going to guess the face isn't animated, which is fine. But, um, yeah, I love seeing Khonshu. I'm looking forward to when we get to see more of him. Oh, and the size of him was really surprising. Because, like, when we see him on the street, you can see this guy's got to be, like, 9 to 10, maybe 10 feet tall or something. He's gigantic. (laughs) pretty cool yeah he's got the scepter and everything i love it i like it <laughs> it's awesome yeah his first appearance down that hallway was i mean i know we saw it in the trailer but obviously seeing it in the movie is like is literally terrifying you know with the lights flashing and all mm-hmm. that and it's like a jump cut of him as well he's like he yeah. start walking and next minute he's even closer and it's like oh my god you know you can still you can really feel Stephen's terror of like what the hell is that coming at me and and uh yeah you can see that's where your uh, cgi budget went you know, and he, looks like yeah, he looked amazing and then like you see when the old lady goes back to her room to her friend's apartment and then you even turn down and he conscious right there like his head it's kind of like yeah it was really 
really terrifying, terrifying. But I gotta admit though, um, when we're back in the apartment, I think uh, Mark does a really poor job of hiding the fact that he moves that table a lot because he's just got that that rug, and oh, the yeah. rug's not actually it's not even covering the movements of everything. So you like, yeah, and Stephen's like, oh, okay, there we go, and then yeah, and then like the the piece of wood wasn't even sitting in there properly, like flush kind of thing. It was opened a bit. So it was, it was really inviting for, for Stephen to actually find out what's going on. Yeah, I think maybe the, the pacification was fading at that point. Yeah. And then oh, yeah, get, yeah. once he gets the phone, I mean, and there's, you know, he talks to the lady, it's like, oh, wait, this, this something else is going on in my life, apparently. Yeah, because he, he has kind of like a, obviously he has a kind of an idea with the whole sand and, and um, buckling himself down to the bed. It'd be interesting to know, prior to that like what drove him to that stage to do the you know the arresting himself to the bed and the sand and the and the tape and to the point now where he's finding all this stuff and he's like oh my god like like it looks like he's seeing Konshu for the first time yeah and there's a funnel easter egg on the phone too they uh you see frenchie's name that was cool yeah yeah Once. i know frenchie's in the show but that's cool <laughs> you see crawley though you know that was crawley the the gold yeah. man that, yeah, yeah, I wanted to bring that up too. That Crawley is in it. Yeah, he just sits there, but you know he's still in it. Yeah, it's clear. It's Crawley. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. So he wakes up again on a bus, um, and he gets off that bus, and he sees Arthur on the bus, and he goes back to work again. Um, and I guess you want to call it the museum finale. Um, you know, he he starts to do uh, inventory, all that kind of stuff. Um, his bitch of a boss giving him a hard time. <laughs> People are calling him Scotty. Um, nothing really changed uh, for that way. So then he bumps into Arthur again, and Arthur does his thing with his scales, trying to read Stephen. Um, I thought it was interesting that we didn't see which way the scales went. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Arthur says you have chaos in you, but I think obviously I think it was on purpose that we didn't see which way the scales tipped. You know, what do you guys think about that? Do you think do you think Stephen? Do you think it went one way or another, or do you think it? Stayed in the middle. What do you guys think about that scene? And, and also, the the and Arthur kind of lays out who he is, who what his plans are. You know why he's doing the things that he's doing. Um, you know, as per usual with most villains, they usually think they're doing the right thing when they're doing the wrong thing. Thanos did nothing wrong. I thought Arthur <laughs> was really creepy in that scene. Actually, <laughs> like when he's talking, he says, "Do you know Amit?" It, it reminds me of those people that come to the door. You know. And they want to know if you want to find religious figures with them. <laughs> yeah, <sure>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bless them all, I guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, um, I, I'm going to guess the scales were even or what I was wondering, maybe you guys thought this too. What if the scales pertain to whoever is in control of the body? So Stevens would be good. Mark's would obviously not be. Well, I've got to look at it like when the, um, scales went bad obviously i met i met took the life of that lady that's what right. she does kind of thing so obviously they didn't go for me they didn't go bad because he would have tried to do something but um i find it like just at this bef before that all started how you know he sees him he sees hammond and then he runs to try and get help and his help is a part of it and then like everyone else in the um museums turning and looking at him he's like oh my god i am literally surrounded by so many people that I have no idea who they are, which is really kind of creepy. So, like, you don't know who to trust now or who to talk mm -hmm. to. But, um, 
yeah, I the scales. I don't think the scales gave him a good reading. Maybe the scales were still going bonkers on his wrist because he just had no idea, and that's why he said you have chaos in you because he was not getting a reading of anything. Maybe, maybe he was trying to read Steve while trying to read Jake while trying to read Mark, and the whole thing's just going bonkers. The tattoo was cool though. If you saw the tattoo, I don't know if you noticed that they had the alligators while holding the scales. Oh yeah, that was cool. Uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. A little bit of a thing. Oh, that's awesome. I think his cane is in, the head is an alligator too, I believe, or a crocodile. A crocodile. Yeah, it's a crocodile in the Egyptian law. I, yeah, I think it'd be a crocodile. I, I think the head is yeah. a crocodile. What would so you So then after that, yeah. So I, I thought, I don't know. I think it. I think it stayed still. <laughs> okay. That, I I don't think it picked a side, and I think that's why Arthur says you have chaos in you. You know what's chaos? Chaos is unpredictable. It, it, it is not that it doesn't pick a side per se. Um, and I think it it doesn't know how to read. You know, if it, like you say, uh, Chris, if it if it reads Stephen is good and Mark is bad, that e- uh, evens itself out. Um, that's kind of what I was looking at it. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting as well that, you know, there's more of these people than we knew. Like you said, uh, somebody Stephen knows at the, the museum, the security guard has a tattoo on um you know steven thought he you know uh, steven assumes he's his friend but obviously he's part of this cult so, so i like how you know vast this this cult is that that arthur is kind of uh i don't know if he's he's still uh, casting characters or if it's just you know they're already a, a a giant cult and they're already just doing their thing and they're you know taking over the world um it'll be interesting you know and i i, I this is a question I had earlier in it you know what does mark and arthur have to do with each other you know Maybe we'll, we're obviously going to learn this, but we can ask it now. You know, what is this scarab? Why does Arthur want the scarab? Why does Mark not want Arthur to have the scarab? Um, you know, Arthur says he he says, "Oh, you're the mercenary." So he really doesn't know Mark that well, but he knows who he is. Um, he knows that Mark is obviously causing him troubles. Um, you know, where do you see their relationship, Mark and Arthur's? Uh, um, correct me if I'm wrong. When um... Stephen said he, about the scarab, he's, and uh, sure Arthur said he doesn't, he's not worried about it, or something like that. Or well, he he's said not, it belongs not, to Ahmed. That's, right. To Ahmed. Ahmed. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So um, I think with the, um, the Hammond's character is that he doesn't know that Mark. I'm assuming he wouldn't know that Mark's got Conchu in his corner. So which like changes the dy- dynamic altogether of the two characters. So I guess he probably just sees him as some sort of mercenary causing him trouble, stealing from him and stuff like that, where obviously Mark has a a greater story to, to tell in terms of what he wants to get from him. And that's where they, once they find out both, well, obviously Stephen already knows now, um, but I wonder which means Mark will probably know now. Um, but obviously the opposite side, Arthur does not, I'm assuming Arthur does not know that Mark and Stephen um have country with him so which then becomes a battle of the gods which um in the Lemire run <laughs> it goes into about that how the gods are using avatars because they are in a sort of like a different dimension and they use their own avatars in order to gain access into our earth kind of side of it so whether that's the play um that's what we have to wait and see i guess so then we're getting to the bathroom and steven's in there he's getting being attacked by a jackal um, and, you know, uh, the the earlier mirror gags with Mark and Steven in his apartment, I, I didn't really enjoy them that much. I thought it was too dark. Couldn't really mm-hmm. tell what Mark was, was doing. Um, and the mirror was too small. But then when we get in this bathroom, like it's full on mirrors on 
one end of the bathroom and along both sides. Um, I thought it was really smart, smartly done. Um, you know, we finally get, I really liked, and I didn't notice this until the second time when Steven is letting go and Mark's taking over all the, um, you know, hieroglyphics or yeah. whatever you have on the, the, the inside of the bathroom, I thought was really well. Um, you know, we get the, the suit, we get, uh, Mark taking over and Chris, this is something we've been talking about since we saw that first trailer where the suit kind of appeared. Like a symbiote um, on Mark, yeah, it's like a symbiote suit. It just materializes out of nowhere. Um, you know, we see, uh, you know, once that once the suit comes on, that jackal has no chance in hell in surviving anything. He gets hit with a sink. He gets the crap beaten out of him. He gets pulled back um, in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <That was amazing. laughs> yeah. He tries to, tries to do in the old the old gag where he's crawling away and he gets dragged back <laughs> into the bathroom to get the shit beat out of him again. Um, so there's a lot of things there. Um, you know, Chris, so let's start with you this time, man. You know, how'd you feel about the whole? Um, Stephen finally letting go and Mark slash Moon Knight taking over. You know, so throughout this episode, I was waiting to see Moon Knight. I was waiting to see my character. I want, I want to see it. And we'd seen this moment in the trailers. We knew it was coming. Yep. But actually seeing it in the context, it hit so hard. And I was ridiculously excited. At like I think it was 2.40 in the morning. 2.40 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> I was like, and also, I was I was kind of, you know, that's all my cold medicines. So I was like, yes. Hopped up. I was hopped up on Mountain Dew. And, uh, and, and I was so excited when I got to see Moon Knight finally and to see the scene. And when the jackal is trying to escape and he pulls him back, and I was like, yes, this is Moon Knight. They got it. And the the suit looks great from behind. I will say, when he's doing it, it looks awesome. When he turns around, the CGI is rough, but I don't even care. It looks mm-hmm. so cool in motion and everything. I just, I love that scene. It was so cool. The whole, the entire rest restroom confrontation was awesome. Loved it. Aaron, are you okay with the suit just kind of materializing out of nowhere? How, how did you how did you read that scene? Yeah, the suit materializing doesn't bother me at all um, mm-hmm. because. Um, once again, if I'm going back to the comics, I I don't I can't recall a comic where you know he's ripping off his shirt and he's got the moon crest underneath him and all that kind of stuff. Unless Chris, you can um, correct me on that, but I can't remember I can't recall anything like that. So for me, for the suit to appear, like in the comics, it just appears in the suit. So I'm like, yeah. okay. So if it just morphs out of nowhere, I'm like, I'm cool with that. I mean, hell, he's got a an Egyptian god talking to him, you know, walking down the hallway. I'm like, my my mind is happy to allow that to occur um the um i did enjoy i love the the conversation between mark and steven leading up to it into the actual bath themselves like the actual realize steven's realization the audience's realization like the the general audience's realization of what is actually happening and what is actually occurring mark's there now telling not just steve but everybody else hey you know, you need to let me into control now. This is who Mark is. This is what they've been saying. Everyone's been talking about Mark. I am Mark. So let me take control and I will let us live. You know, you're not going to die. And then, yeah, Stephen finally letting go and allowing Mark to come in, which is awesome because that means that battle is pretty much over now. Mm. That Mark versus Stephen battle is over. They're Stephen is now fully aware of Mark and who Mark is and what Mark is capable of to a certain extent. I mean, we still have another Moon Knight character to appear, which would be very interesting to see how he morphs or how he comes about. But I love the suit. I, I, I 
oh my god, I just enjoyed every minute of it when he drags him back in. Yeah. You know, the um, the the sink scene was very for me it was very reminiscent of um, the Daredevil hallway scene where that guy gets hit by the microwave or something like that, where Daredevil just throws the microwave at him. Oh yeah. Um, I can't know if you guys remember that. So it was very reminiscent of that when you see the sink come flying out, and yeah, to see the Jackal get dragged back and Moon Knight just pounding him. Um, I just thought it was amazing, and I and I thought, how is Stephen going to explain this when he rocks up to work the next day? <laughs> I wonder if Stephen is aware of like maybe he's watching now the way Mark watches from the. I don't know how it works, but you know what I mean. I'm wondering yeah. if Stephen is aware now, like he's not just sleeping. Um, that's an interesting idea too. And you mentioned that he never rips his shirt open. And there's a moon, uh, you know, the, the Moon Knight suit. I was trying. I don't think we ever seen like on a hanger or something, or we don't know how he gets the suit in the comics. Yeah, I, I can't I've remember. Only, Let's yeah, I think I've only seen him even take the suit off once, and it's just the the mask. And it was a Mister Knight suit. It wasn't even yeah. a full costume. So I don't know. Like maybe, even in even, even in the Ellis run, when he's in he's in Mister Knight's garb, and then when he goes to fight. He then he turns into the actual Moon Knight girl, and it's just like he's just there, and it just happens, and then, and we just go along for the ride. Yeah, maybe this is kind of like a natural progression of what we see in the comics. We just never saw this part. Well, in the comics as well, he wasn't exactly. Um, I don't think I can't think of an aesthetic where he's actually draped around with um, what are they? It's sort of like the the bandages, the, band, uh, no, the bandages, and the, all that kind of stuff. It's more a, of a white sort of. There is a version where he has it, not to this extent, though. Yeah. So but there I is mean, a version it, like it. I couldn't imagine Mark sitting there putting all these bandages on, you know, getting ready to go fight his Moon Knight. So it has to be something a bit more mystical, I guess. Well, I mean, we did. We finally saw Batman put on the black eyeliner, so maybe we can get that next season. Watch him wrap himself. <laughs> a whole Batman. episode of him just wrapping himself up while the jackals are knocking down the door. Give me an hour. I got to wrap. <laughs> <laughs> And I think eyes, it'll be interesting the how they, eyes. yeah. I think it'll be interesting how they do it. Play how they keep it going forward. Like, are we going to see him like a suit up scene every time mm-hmm. that he turns into it, or because it's true. Like in the comics, like in one scene he's Bruce Wayne, and the next scene he's just Batman. Like mm-hmm. you don't need to see him put on his suit. You just understand it. So seeing it this way, I think one of the biggest things is it's it's just Stephen letting go and letting Moon Knight, Mark Spector take over. That, and, yeah. and it's not it's not an instant thing either. It's not just like flick of a switch and a scrum out. Like the the bandage actually come up and around. He gets attacked by the jackal before the suit is on him. Um, so it's also not an instantaneous thing. Um, but I do wonder about the practicality of it. Like how is it going to work going forward? Does yeah. Mark have to do this every single time? Um, and and in the scenes when like in the in the car chase scene when Stephen is Stephen, and he's turn to Mark. Is Mark putting on the suit then, or is it just Mark in human form? Like, I what, is, that as, what, is the, what does the Moon Knight suit actually mean? I took that as Mark in human form in the chase. Okay. I'm assuming... Hank... Oh, sorry, go ahead, sorry, Chris. Oh, so you got to understand that when it's... When Mark is Moon Knight, he is... He's doing Conchu's work. Mm-hmm. That's what... It, Conchu, Conchu is the one that has Moon Knight and is... is the one that gives Mark Moon Knight. It's not Mark. Mark's not like Bruce Wayne turning into Batman, you know, where Bruce Wayne's like, hey, I'm going to be Batman. It's like literally Conchu's going, you are my Moon Knight because in the origin, you know, being near death or at death, Conchu's like, hey, 
you can come back as long as you're my avatar as Moon Knight. And he's gone, yeah, sure, sort of thing. So, yeah, <laughs> a bit more different. But, yeah, you understand. So when he's Moon Knight, he's actually than what it was. <laughs> yeah, he's doing um, Conchu's bidding. So I think something like the, the car chase is something that Mark can handle quite well because obviously being his training and all that kind of stuff, which no one else knows that, yeah, being a mercenary, he's actually quite skilled. And that's half the reason why Conchu chose him. But when he's fighting a jackal or something like that, I think it's more of a, you know, get the get the Moon Knight stuff on because we've got bigger fish to fry. I also want to assume that it's a night thing. When he's in the daytime, you don't see Moon Knight. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Because I think I read somewhere that for the show, they want to keep him only at night as the powers of the moon or whatever. I don't know if that was true or not, but that would make sense also because I only have ever read a comic where he's really in the daytime, except maybe Spirit of... Uh, no, not Spirit of Vengeance. What's it called? Vengeance of Moon Knight. I think he is out during the day in Vengeance of Moon Knight. But he's also riding motorcycles and he has automatic weapons. In that. So <laughs> that, that's, a whole, that's like watching Thor, the sci-fi channel version. <laughs> and inside the suit it's only mark in the suit yeah steven is never in the suit or jake lockley is never in the suit no in the comic no that i know okay. of. yeah i was gonna say jake jake is kind of like his okay actually no jake has this suit in his trunk when he's driving the taxi that is when yes. we see the suit off of him so jake usually acts like okay we're gonna go look for trouble and if we need to, Mark will take over and the suit's in the trunk. We're good to go. But we don't actually see a suit-up scene. Because Mark's the trained professional, the killer, right. the trained killer of all. But so in, of course, in the work. comics, it's they're more cohesive with each other. Whereas this, I, it's hard to tell what they're doing, but I think we're just seeing Steven coming to terms that he's not a person. He's one of or the other personality. Yeah. And also something with this, we don't know what's real and what's not, which I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah, that, that's what... We're, we're basically done talking about the entirety of the episode, and that's kind of where I want to go. I'm, I'm going to leave that one to the last, though. But one other thing I want to talk about is, you know, how how are we going? To, where is this going forward? Um, we've we've established that Stephen has given in to Mark now. Um, you know, there is stuff in episode one with Mark that we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Do you think we're going to have episode two, or we're going to see the Mark side of things, or are we just going to keep moving forward and have? Are we going to see both sides now? Are we going to see the Mark scenes? Are we going to see the Steven scenes? Or is there going to be switches where we don't see things I think going forward in, into the rest of the season? I think this episode ended in a very um, strategic way. I believe it ended the way it ended because the next episode is all Mark. I think we're going to do some backtracking. We're going to see how we got here. And then it'll end with another switch. Or we'll see some switches, but I think the next episode is definitely starting with Mark. I think everything that was shown in the first episode was obviously intentional in terms mm-hmm. of us being introduced to the Moon Knight world. And obviously, I'm trying not to obviously bring all my the knowledge that I have into the conversation. It's more thinking like Emmett, for example, of like, right, he's watching this show. It brought him in. There's confusion of what's going on, you find out at the end what's going on. I think it's going to be more of a natural progression moving forward now um, of just what's happened has happened and now what's going to happen in the future is Mark obviously letting Stephen know of what's um, what's going on and what the actual plan is and what they've been doing kind of thing. I don't know if they'll waste too, as much as I'd love an episode 
that's just based around Mark doing the complete opposite cut of what they did in the first episode would be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It'd be pretty smart and intelligent, but I'm thinking to myself as well, but they've only got six episodes and there's probably Mm -hmm. a lot of storyline to cover. So it might be one of those things where they'll be like, you know what, let's have the first episode of introducing um, the general audience into this world, make it confusing, make them understand what Stephen's going through at the end, let them know who Stephen, like let Mark know who Stephen is and what they are and now get into who they are, who, Mark telling Stephen who they are and why they are. Because basically Stephen is basically the general audience. He's our this. avatar. He's your avatar. He's like Emmett's avatar where, you know, Emmett, Emmett needs him because if, if he doesn't have Stephen, he's, he's going <laughs> to be so lost. Stephen's going to be that character that's going to be so confused, needs to know what's happening in this world, and Mark's going to be the one that's going to start telling him and constantly to a certain extent of what's going to happen and the greater world's going to open up. That's the thing with the car chase. I love that car chase. I love how it's edited together. I'd love to see the opposite side, but the other half of me is like, no, just leave it as it is. I just, I think it's perfect the way it is. You know, I, I don't need to see the other side. I think it's better to- ambiguous like that. Like we don't yeah. know what Mark does. And then when we yeah. switch, we can see it. But yeah, I think, I think you're right. It's going to be a natural progression going like not just the next episode, because I was just thinking the next one, but for the series itself, I, I like you said, I think Steven is going to be our avatar. And I think that w- we're going to see the switches, but they need to show, they're going to find a way to show us that Mark is likable too, just different. And I think that's yeah. where the series is going to head. They're, we're going to get to a point at the end, like the finale, where, hey, I like Mark and I like Steven. But this conflict is kind of weird. What are we going to do with this? What's interesting? There is as a well, conflict. Yeah, what's interesting as well is that Mark's talking to Steven. That's so new. the two person, yeah, the two personalities are communicating with each other. They're not. Like for pretty much 99% of the episode, it, they're jumping and they don't know what's going on. You know, Stephen has no idea what's happening. You know, and Conchu is the only one that will appear over the top of the voice in his head. But it's at the end where the two personalities are actually talking to each other. So I'm wondering if it's going to be like a um, moving forward, like a buddy cop kind of thing. You know, it's kind of like Stephen's the, the, you know, who we know who he is. And then you've got Mark, who's a bit more of the rough and tough killer that wants to take care of business with Stephen Blunt. No, I don't want to do that. And they have that like internal struggle where you can actually hear them both talking to each other, which then makes sense of why they made Stephen British and, you know, Mark American. So you can at least determine the difference between both of them if well, they're that's a to argue with each other. You know, so, but when you said that, I, I had a weird visual. I thought of Rush Hour, like Stephen is the Chris Tucker <laughs> and Mark is the Jackie Chan. Yeah. One and body. Chris, let me ask you this: with the um, <laughs> with the <laughs> with the um, the scene where uh, he's in the village uh-huh. and he has the um, the pendant, and like he goes to give it back, but it's being stopped. That's new. like someone's stopping it. That's new. Now, do you think that's Mark stopping him or Conchu getting in there and stopping him? I I, th- I think it's Mark. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like I, <laughs> normally Conchu can't. He's not a puppet for Conchu yeah. normally, but he's never a puppet to begin with. So I'm not really sure. And then I, I also wanted to add on to that: Is Mark not strong enough to come to him at that point? Like, is he fighting? This is going to get really weird and deep, but it's Moon Knight, so here we go. <laughs> what if, like, is is Mark like? stuck in in his head to where he can't get out and say hey steven 
stop it like he does later on like does it get triggered by the phone call like hearing oh mark okay i'm here now i can come out i, I wonder if yeah. that's part of it because again lemire he was very stuck in that story he he couldn't really differentiate and he didn't know what was real or not what he was switching so I, I, the more I think about it, this pulls a lot from that run, I'm thinking. But, yeah, I, I don't know. They, they do – I've been saying this. As much as I enjoy this episode, and I do a lot, they are clearly doing their own things, and I applaud them for it because yeah. they needed to. And these changes are working so – I know it's one episode, but they work. People are liking it, and I like That's it. That's the thing. Like you, watch, you keep watching it, and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. So it's like – so then went that thought, let's pretend that it's Mark – Mm. That's that stops him. I would say so. Yeah, it has to be Mark. Yeah, so let's say moving forward, if he if Mark turns into Moon Knight, can Stephen like if Mark's walking to, running towards danger, can Stephen take mm. over and turn around and run the opposite way? And you know, can they have that internal struggle be more of like a physical comedy to a certain point where you know, or is Stephen in charge and you know Mark can't get through, but he can talk to him to try and narrate him through the danger and go, no, you got to do this now, kind of thing, or something like that. So that's that's yeah. when I saw that scene. That's what went straight to my head. It's like someone's controlling Stephen. So what does that mean moving forward to Moon Knight or something like that? So that's what went through my skull. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> this era, I, I I go to what if Mark's about to kill someone as Mark does as Moon Knight. And Steven's like, no, we can't do that. No. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Do you want to take on that, Emmett? Uh, well, I agree that that scene in the town, Conchu was telling him not to do it. Don't mm -hmm. give him that scarab. So if, if Conchu was controlling him, he wouldn't then say to not give him that. So I feel like Mark, it was just Mark, you know, little seeds of Mark trying to come through. And like, mm -hmm. like you said, that phone call happened when, when Steven says, who is Mark? The camera kind of turns a little bit. It yeah. holds right on Steven's face where it's just a real realization. Steven's realizing that, you know what, there's something is really wrong here. Because the thing, all the way back at the start, there was a normalcy to Steven and his precautions. Mm -hmm. Steven just wasn't thinking about it. You know, it's just normal. It's just my body he wants to get walking again. It's no big deal. But then there's a realization that, okay, there's a phone in my, my house. There's mm -hmm. stuff that's going on here. And, and then, then he hears the word Mark, and it's just like, you know, if you hit a, you hit a piece of glass a couple of times and over and over again, eventually it starts to crack mm -hmm. and crack and crack, and then it breaks, and then it eventually did break. Um, so that, that, that's where I, where I related to. It was just Mark just slowly coming more and more uh, out into, the, in, into the Stephen's mind. And that's where I wondered at the start, like, how long has this been going on for? Yeah. How long has he been tying this bed to him? And that's where I wonder about if we're getting flashback things. And one of the things that I put in my notes here, like this is an origin, this isn't an origin story. Hmm. Moon Knight is Moon Knight. Mark's Moon Knight already. There's no unless we get it further back. Like, are we going to have an episode of Mark dying? Are we going to have an episode of of him and Conchu having a conversation about bringing him back to life? And it, you know, where do you guys see that going? Are we going to know why there is a Moon Knight? Because I love Conchu, I want to see that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I really. And I think it's important to see the scene just because we can, they can do all the fun stuff they want, all the horror comedy, the body, you know, don't do that, idiot, whatever. They could do all that stuff. But I think showing the origin is a little important for Moon Knight. He's not a character where the origin doesn't really matter. To understand why he is the way he is, you, you need to see Khonshu and him make the deal. 
You don't need to see Bushman, although I'd love, again, to see Bushman because he's badass. But I, I do want to see the origin. And um, I think that this has been going on for a few months, actually. Because hmm. uh, Layla says, I've been calling you for months. That's right. So it, let's call it two months, three months, something like that. Yeah, the, um, the origin's a tricky one for me because it's to get to the point of Mark and Conchu, it's kind of like understanding the story of Mark and Bushman because Mark and Bushman sort of. is what drives them to get to Conchu. But yeah. that's, that's, that's showing it visually. That's showing it. But if Conchu can sort of like tell Stephen, you know, you died at my temple and blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. You know, just give you tell him like a, a bit of exposition, uh, or you can cut to cut to Stephen at the temple, maybe or something like that. Which leads you to oh, Mark, sorry, you leave you to questions of like, how did he get there? Which then could probably lead into cinema, uh, season two if they do a season two with Bushman, because um, Bushman once again is like the Joker of Moon Knight. Mm. It's one of the he's one of his biggest villains, and. Um, be one of those sad things that hopefully they do do it like if they don't it'd be that's what would be one of the sadder things but yeah because then you've still got bushman and then depending if you go back to the lemire run like marlene's involved in that as well so she's you know she's part of the um uh, archaeologists at mm -hmm. that site Very so you know and marlene's a big character in moon knight's history as well so you know to going back to when Mark became conscious, you know, there's a, there's a pretty dense story to tell in that direction, but it can be exposition if done by Conchu when Conchu's trying to explain to Stephen the whole reason why, what is happening and why is he the way you, or, or Mark, Mark could even tell Stephen, I guess. So they can do it with a montage. I think like a narration yeah. in the montage, that'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, it really depends on like, if they're going to go with the Libya run where they have that, the gods have their own little dimension they're trying to get in you know they can probably explain it that way as well it's like i chose you because you were here and blah 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 you know um our, a good friend javi true asked me on twitter i think it was yesterday the day before what he should read and now i, I remember i gave him a list of stuff and now i'm thinking about it read the limit run guys i think that's what you need to do for this <laughs> yeah we keep going back to it because a lot of this does feel like they're plucking stuff from that one and it's a great run but the only problem with it is if you don't really know the character, you will be lost. <laughs> it's not a, yeah, it's not be a, a good one. You could, just, you could just pick up and go. It'll be a good one for people to read after this season's yeah. over. It gives that them a too. better idea. Grab the linear run, and then you get your general idea, apart from the whole Stephen thing. And if they don't, mm -hmm. introduce, if they don't introduce Jake, they'll be like, who's this guy? <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. But yeah, yeah, the linear run is pretty great. So the last and final thing I want to bring up, and it's something you brought up a little while ago, Chris, and that's the idea of how much of this stuff is real and what mm -hmm. we're seeing. There's a scene where uh, Stephen is laying in bed, he's doing his Rubik's Cube, and he puts on a little reader thing, and it says, you know, you're trying to stay awake. And it says, oh, maybe you should read a book. And it says, oh, maybe putting yourself inside the story is a great way to stay awake. And do a puzzle. Put yourself inside the puzzle. And how would you solve the puzzle? Um, is Steven, is any of this happening? Is this Steven's mind? Because they mentioned, they've been mentioning this, the creators of the show, Feige's been mentioning it, Oscar Isaac's been mentioning it, mental health. Mm -hmm. It's a, they, they touch a little bit on mental health in this episode, a little bit, aside from schizophrenia. 
Um, but then I wonder about this idea about this lonely guy who has no friends, who gets treated poorly at work. He's forgetful, obviously, for certain reasons. Um, is he creating this world to stay awake, to to feel important? You know, how much of this stuff is real? And that's where I got back originally, where this the idea of the suit materializing out of nowhere. It, practically, it makes zero sense. Mm -hmm. In somebody's head, it makes 100% sense. Um, jackals, the jackal came out of nowhere. Where? Who is this jackal? What is this jackal? We have no idea. We haven't seen anything about it yet. Um, Conchu, this big, tall, you know, like you said, Chris, he's 10 feet tall. Makes no sense whatsoever. But he's beautiful. Steven, yes, it looks great. <laughs> Steven is the only one who's seeing this. Stephen wakes up places. He has no idea what's going on. You know, how much of is this is actually real and not just Stephen being uh, somebody who has mental health problems? Or how much of it is Mark building a world for Stephen? Exactly. Inception. <laughs> Where's the totem? <laughs> it's the Rubik's Cube. <laughs> it's the Rubik's Cube. It's the fish. Um, oh, there you go. <laughs> There you go. Emma, uh, yes. 100%. 100%. It could all be not real at all. Um, the Lemire run, once again, sets a lot of that up as well, where you're reading it, like literally not spawning anything. You open up in a psych ward in the Lemire run. It's like it's literally the first few panels is, is Mark stuck in the psych ward. And you're like, is any of this real? What I'm seeing, what I'm reading, is it any of it real? It's 100%. This all could all be made up in his head. It can be, but it really depends on what angle uh, the writers want to take with it. That's the thing with Moon Knight. Um, every every different run you can read, you can read like even like the Ellis run, which goes for I think it's like seven, six, seven issues. I think something like that. Every single issue is like a different episode. They don't link to each other to any certain way. They're just different episodes that you read, and you know. Mr. Knight's off doing his own thing. The uh, Lemire runs his big overarching story, which is very close. So it really, you can take this character in any direction that you want. So if you want to make it, have it all made up in his head at the end, it can, it can be done. It can be done. I think, um, so when I watched it the first time, I was like, okay, some of this maybe isn't real, but that's just the way the character is. But I watched it the second time, I noticed more stuff. What specifically stood out to me, and I've mentioned this to Aaron, I don't know if I brought it to you, Emmett, the little girl in the museum who's putting trash in the pyramid, she asked him a question. Did it something like, did it suck when you got turned away from the field of reeds when you died? And Steve responds to something, well, I'm not dead, am I? And that goes to the origin of Mark. When he died or was near enough to death and he basically got refused and conscious, they're like, hey, blah 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 beat my fist and so that struck me like oh wait a minute there's that um crawley being the statue <laughs> that stuck to me like why is he a statue it's crawley um of course the flickering lights and all that stuff is in his head conchu attacking him in the hallway is in his head <laughs> but another thing that got me at the end of the episode i haven't seen anybody question the timing of these things Arthur was on the bus that drives away. In a matter of 15 seconds, Arthur is deep in the museum. Later that night, Arthur is has taken over the PA system in the museum. <laughs> like, how? 
Where? Even from the gift shop. <laughs> I'm a gift shopist. <laughs> so, you know, the, the timing of some of these things to me lends to the idea that a lot of this is in his head. And if you read the Bendis run, he thought he was part of the Avengers. He thought Spider-Man was fighting alongside him. But no, he had a he built a web shooter he was wearing. He thought Wolverine was with him. He built a claw on his arm. <laughs> so, you know... It's not out of the realm of possibility for a lot of this to be in his head. Like maybe Steven is creating things to make his life more exciting where Mark can't control him. Or maybe the pacification is just kind of slipping more and more. I don't know. Um, I know it's very long-winded at this point. I'm sorry. But this was interesting to me. It started with a little <laughs> girl and then there's these other little things peppered in, I think. Even the, the thing when they're in the village, it's very surreal, you know? And in the way that they all bow down, and he just he's just there, yeah, London. Oh bollocks! Oh right, bollocks! London. <laughs> it's just very and the cupcake thing, like it's kind of funny, but is it real? I don't know. Yeah, what's with that? Is that like because that's Von Doom, right? Is that what we're meant to assume because of the the boxes on the boxes the at the back of him? It's got Von Do. Well, it's got Von Do. I think it's got Von Doom. Oh, I didn't notice Von that. Doom. I didn't yeah. notice that. Oh, okay, because I saw that one. What's Von Doom doing with cupcakes? I don't know if that's I a mean, thing or not, but Victor's I don't know. Maybe... Money somehow. Yeah, that's a good point. So, <laughs> but yeah, no. Nah, even the suit, though, I'm, like I've told Stan before, I'm not even sure if that suit is a thing or if it's in his head. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do with uh, Mr. Knight, you think, Chris? How's that going to play into it? I, I'm kind of... On the like, I have no idea. I'm wondering if Mr. Knight is Steven's version of Moon Knight. Which... I find Mr. Knight like it's in the Ellis run. I found Mr. Knight to be more violent than Moon Knight. That's just in the Ellis run, though. He he was a bit more of a full-on character. Yeah, no. In in like the McKay run, he's that's the detective mode. Yeah, yeah. He's more the the, the figure. The face. So, yeah, yeah. He's the face yeah, of um, Moon Knight is. The full like cape outfit is the okay. Yeah. We're gonna go do something. Um, I don't know though. I'm kind of curious with that too. He he has the baton, so he's gonna get into some stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah I'm hoping, but we'll see what they do with him. I'm I'm wondering though if there's yeah. any Stevens version, like Steven's avatar. I can't wait. I seriously can't wait. Yeah, I have yeah. so many questions. <laughs> I I think that's the biggest thing from this one episode. It leads into that second episode and leading you wanting a hundred percent more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can't wait to watch the second one. You know, first episode is called the Goldfish Problem. I think we've got some cool, <laughs> interesting names coming forward. Um, you know, I'm excited, and, and I'm excited personally. Uh, for me, this is the first episode of any Disney Plus show that I've mm-hmm. liked. Um, I don't know if I'm biased in some way, you know, via Chris. I don't know if some kind of weird subconscious thing. My I don't know influence if I'm being, has bled yeah, through. I'm being taken over. There's a you know, weird voice. I can't hear it. Hear it it's Chris's voice in your head. Surrender the Disney Plus account. <laughs> exactly. I think, but I, but I think what Aaron said to begin with is that, that there's a relatable characters. You know, Stephen. Yeah. I re- I felt really bad for Stephen. Um, and I think what, and Chris, you said it too, eventually we're supposed to like Mark. So eventually we're going to relate to that side of the character. Um, so I'm happy, uh, from this first episode, I think you two huge fans of Moon Knight, even with all the big changes, because you guys mentioned that there's been a, there's not just small, subtle changes. There is big Moon Knight changes from the comic books, from the lore 
to now this TV show. And I, I think it, you know, for the only basically fan Moon Knight fans that I know, and probably that most other people know, there there's two people right here that I'm talking to. For you guys to also embrace that change, I think is also really important too. Um, you know, if if somebody changes Batman, if somebody changes, you know, Wonder Woman, Superman, people freak the f out. Yeah. But you know, people changing Moon Knight, um, and you guys being the biggest fans that I know and embracing that change, and I think it also helps. You know, changes changes change, but if it's a good change, if it makes sense, um, that's also a good thing. So, you know, I commend you guys as well, Moon Knight fans, to being open to that change because um, I think the the changes uh, for you guys is great, and for you know, it's not a change for me; it just is. Um, it worked for me too, so I'm I'm glad you guys like it. Uh, give me some final thoughts uh, on the episode before we uh, before we wrap up. I loved it. I thought it was good. And just on that, Emma, what you were saying. Um, I think the changes make it easy for me because of Oscar Isaac. I think he makes it a lot easier because his performance is just outstanding. Like throughout the entire series, like series, first episode was just, I was hook, line and sinker. Um, within the um, within the comics, uh, like Chris was saying before, within the comics, like Mark's more the dominant one. So he's more the dominant one within the comics. So to have Stephen front and centre which generally isn't that dominant within the comics. And to have him front and centre and change didn't really bother me too much. It didn't bother me. I thought it was fine. Uh, Oscar Isaac's performance was great that in the end it didn't bother me and I liked it. And depending on how they move forward, um, I think the changes were obviously clearly on purpose, making him British, as we were explaining before, making him British and all that kind of stuff and a bit more pacifist and all that kind of gear. Um but the episode itself, I absolutely loved it. Like I said, I've watched it five times. I'm probably going to watch it more leading up <laughs> to the second episode, I, I dare say so. Um, we watched it. I had a, um, I had some mates come around to watch it on the opening night. So I had to wait. I couldn't watch it straight away. So I had to wait a few hours for that to happen. But um, once we watched it, we watched it back-to-back. Uh, -back. So we watched two episodes, like the same episode back-to-back. -back. And we just – here in Australia, it's actually a lot easier, Chris. It's not like – 10 past two in the morning it was um like seven o'clock at night so <laughs> it made it a lot easier for us so. that was the case here <laughs> just, yeah. just move to australia for the next six weeks <laughs> what just move to australia for the next six weeks uh i think i might <laughs> yeah well i've got a room here man and um, um yeah the drops the drops here for netflix and all that kind of stuff and disney plus are a lot easier for us because it's normally around about i think it's like 5 30 6 o'clock in the evening so some dev there and sit down and get comfortable. Not set an alarm for one AM <laughs> to get up to watch it. So but I probably would. I would have done the same thing as you, so I'm not gonna lie. But in the end, I, I, I loved season. it and I can't Yeah, yeah probably yeah. I feel I feel sorry for you, but it's worth it. I I was shame. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. My final thoughts. Yeah, I uh what a solid start, you know. The journey for this show has been something for me because I've said it multiple times. This is one of those characters I always loved, but I never expected to see him in live action. And I was okay with that. I accept that. I was like, you know what? Moon Knight's not going to be at the forefront. I get it. It's fine. So when this show got announced and, you know, hearing people talk about it, and then Oscar Isaac got cast, and I, I lost my shit over that because I love Oscar Isaac, you know? And just everything that followed and the leaked picture of the suit, the real picture of the suit, the trailers – it, it, it was quite a journey, kind of similar to the Batman's production in a way, but not not exactly the same. Um, 
but yeah, I really enjoyed the episode. Solid start, completely solid start. I like what they're establishing. I do like the changes. I'm okay with them. I knew they were really going to have to do some stuff differently. It's cool. Doesn't bother me. I think they're keeping the spirit of the character there. The only complaint I do have is the uh, some of the visuals are a bit. Uh, I believe the word is dodgy, maybe mm-hmm. a bit dodgy. Um, I'm hoping that picks up. But as we said, I think the budget went to Conchu's beautiful outfit. So it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I cannot wait for more. All right, guys, before we get on out of here, let's do some uh, plugs. Aaron, uh, plug uh, whatever you got going on. Plug your Twitter. Uh, plug where people can follow and interact and talk uh, more Moon Knight with you. Yeah, you just follow me on Twitter. It's just my name, at Aaron Kajanto. If you can't spell that, just go to Chris's or Emmett's Twitter and find me that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you can find me if you if you, if you you track me down. So, uh, yeah, that's really all I do. So, yeah. And this, thank you very much for this too, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Oh, no problem. You're the first person I thought of when we were talking about this. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at thatchris70. But as always, I prefer you guys to follow the show at G of the Geeks. Um, we have a YouTube channel that Emmett is better explaining than I am. <laughs> uh, you can follow me at EmmettDavis7 on Twitter. And like Chris said, just follow us at G of the Geeks on Twitter. But also go to our YouTube channel uh, where we have shows every Sunday. Uh, live shows and hit us up in the uh, comment section. It'd be great uh, to catch you there. Um, you will find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I want to thank everybody for checking out episode one of Moon Nighting, brought to you by Gathering of the Geeks. So for Aaron, Chris, and Emmett, I'm Emmett. Uh, <laughs> Are you though? Are you? Yeah. Wait a second. God damn it. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, just want to say thanks everybody for listening and thanks Aaron and Chris and uh, we gather on Sundays. Mm-hmm.